Hey, we're on our series called Who Am I and Why Am I Here? Talking about identity and purpose. So get your sermon notes out. We've given you those there in the worship guide. Also on your YouVersion Bible app, you can get the sermon notes and download those. Save them to your phone if you'd like to follow along with that. I'm going to have you turn to two scriptures today. So open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Yeah, yeah. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Who am I and why am I here? It's an important series of questions we've been asking. Today I'm going to look at again, why am I here, our purpose. We're going to zero in on that. Why am I here? What am I doing? What's my purpose in life? I believe God has a specific answer to that question for each and every one of us. No matter what phase of life you're in, God says he has a reason for you being here and he has a purpose for you. And so we're wanting you to be able to find the answer to two questions. Number one, where do I fit? And number two, what is my function? Where do I fit and what is my function? We want you to be in the right spot. We want you to know that God's got a place for you, a purpose for you, and uh, what that means to him. It's valuable. It's unique. It's something that's not just a big general broad brushstroke purpose, but something specific just to you. We, remember this, though, about your purpose. We talked about purpose is not something we do. It's someone we become. So we can always work on our purpose because my purpose is not something I do. You don't get your identity and your purpose from what you do. You get it from the kind of person that you are. So no matter what's happening in life, you're going to go through transitions and, and changes in life. But your purpose is not something you do. Your importance to society is not based on what you do for a living. Your importance is based on what kind of person you are. Amen. Amen. We, we want to be good people. So we want to work on doing that. See, too often, sometimes with our purpose, we're, we live more reactive than proactive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Reactive means we kind of go with whatever happens to us and, and we just take whatever someone brings across our path instead of tapping into what's on the inside of us. When I'm talking about purpose, I want to encourage you to tap into what's on the inside of you because... I believe that God has given us something significant on the inside of us. Whether we know it or not, too many times we assume insignificance and we don't embrace significance. Now, I'm not talking about a, a self-help pump you up type all about you deal. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God in you created you special, created you important, important and he put significance on the inside of you. But sometimes we don't see it on the surface, and so we don't dig for it. We don't tap into it. Now, let me ask you this question. If someone was to come up to you today and say, hey, on your ground that you have mineral rights for, underneath the surface of the ground, there is the largest reservoir of oil in southern Illinois. Somebody just told you that, hey, you've got the largest reservoir of oil on your property that you have mineral rights Right here in southern Illinois, it's the largest we've ever seen. How many of you would go, ah, that's gonna, I'm going to have to do all of this work, I'm going to have to drill for it, and that's just going to be a lot of hectic effort. Never mind. I'm fine. Very few people would say that. Most people would say, start up the rig, we're drilling right here. Huh? You know, why? Because you know something's valuable down below, you're willing to do whatever it takes on the surface to get to it. 
If I got to go through some effort, if I got to tear up some stuff on the surface, if I got to change some stuff on the surface, there is something valuable down there and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to that. Well, I'm talking about the gift of God on the inside of you is worth drilling for. What you have on the inside, it's more significant than oil. It's more, than, more significant than gold or anything that's bare on the ground. But sometimes it's down there and we got to dig for it. So that's what we're talking about our purpose today. We want to go drilling today. We want to dig it up because we believe you got something valuable to offer. So why, why am I here? Why am I here? Am I special? Am I special? That may sound like kind of cheesy for us to say that. Most of the time we just assume we say somebody's special. We're talking about somebody else. We even have this saying, I'm really nobody special. And the problem is we believe that. And I'm not talking about special like you're better than everybody else. I'm talking about you're special in that you're unique to God. Your personality, the way you look at life, the way you do things, it's unique, it's special, and there's a need for it in the world. That's what we're trying to drive home. So purpose, why am I here? We looked at the 30,000-foot view of purpose in Acts chapter 26. Why are we all here? Here's why God appears to any of us. He said, I'm appearing to you so that I can deal with you and talk to you about, uh, so you can share with people the things that you've seen and the things that I will yet reveal to you. I'm going to talk to you about that, things that you've seen, things that you yet reveal. I'll make you a minister and a witness, right? Minister and a witness. So we are all supposed to serve. We see that in Acts 26. Then he said, I want you to do it so you can help open the eyes of people Turn them from darkness to light, power of Satan to the power of God. So that's our global big picture, 30,000 foot view. We've all got the same picture. They all got the same purpose, to turn people from the authority and the power of Satan to the authority and power of God. Help people's eyes be open. They can go from darkness to light. That's the heart of God. Every time that you wake up, he's wanting to use you to help somebody get from darkness to light and from power of Satan to the power of God. And all we think about is going to our job. Too many times we're thinking about getting my job done. Here's what I got to do. I got to go to this. I got to do that. I gotta, and God say, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's darkness around you. I need you to shine some light on it for me. Remember, we talked about this is the global purpose of God. But to accomplish the global purpose of God, he also gave us some gifts. So here's the big picture. But now I want to do it individually. First Peter chapter 4, we talked about as each one has received a gift. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got a gift. You've got a gift, you've got a gift. As each one has received a gift, what are we supposed to do? Minister it to one another, a little stronger. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Getting better. See, we want to minister it to one another. Notice what this verse doesn't say. It doesn't say, as each one has received a gift, be ministered to by one another. It doesn't say that, does it? But here's... <laughs> You know what the quickest way to get bitter and angry is? Is when you focus on how other people are using their gift to minister to you instead of you focus on how you're using your gift to minister to others. Woo! That'll preach a while. Huh? It doesn't say to me, and this is the part that frustrates me, frustrates me sometimes because I want to I focus on how other people are ministering to me and the lack thereof. But he says, listen, Chad, I want you to understand that you're supposed to use your gift to minister to one another as a good steward, as a good manager. Good manager. So the question is, how are you managing the gifts that God's put in your hands? Did you allow him to write a check this week anytime he wanted to? 
when he said, hey, I'm going to need you today to talk to this person. Ah, sorry, I'm a little busy. Good steward, so the manifold grace of God, many varieties. So now we talked about that. Then we went to Matthew 25. We talked about the talents. Again, we're talking about our purpose, trying to figure out what is God, why has God got us on this earth. He said uh, in Matthew 25, he talked about the one that had five talents. He went and traded them and made five more. So your gift and your talent, we're supposed to be trading them. We're supposed to be working them. Here's one of the things we got to get. Our, our gifting, our talent is going to require work. Too many times people, we're, and we're all guilty of this, we're wanting to find a purpose where we don't have to work. There is no such thing in the kingdom of God. God wants us to work. It's going to take effort to do what God's asked you to do. If we're try, I'm looking for that perfect utopia thing where I don't have to do anything. It's not found in the kingdom of God. The first thing God did when he created the earth, he put Adam in it, and he said, now I want you to go to work. Go to work, tend this garden, make it grow. So this is what we're talking about in finding our purpose. We want to find uh, what he's called us to do and how we're going to work through it and how we're going to work through what he's given us. Here's something that I want to encourage you with. Don't confuse your purpose or your identity with your gifting or your talent. God gives you a gift, 1 Peter chapter 4. He gives you a gift, he gives you a talent. But your gift and your talent is not your purpose. I'll give you an illustration just for me to clarify. My purpose is not preaching. It's a gift or a talent. It's not a purpose. God's given me a gift or a talent to communicate, but it's not my purpose. You can have a gift or a talent to do whatever, whether it's singing or whether it's uh, uh, engineering or whether it's building with your hands. Gifting or talent, don't be confused with purpose. Here's why. If we make our gift or talent our purpose, we will sacrifice things that are valuable at the altar of our gift or talent. In other words, I will justify abandoning or taking advantage of my family for my gift and talent and say to them, well, sorry, baby, it's my purpose. I've got to preach again and again and again. I'm helping somebody. See, if, you're, if you think your, your gift and your talent to run that business is your purpose, you'll abandon things that are valuable at the altar of your gift. You'll sacrifice family time, you'll sacrifice whatever to accomplish, it's my gift, it's my gift, it's my, yeah, it's your gift, but it's not your purpose. It's a means to accomplish your purpose, but it is not your purpose. Don't get the two confused. So that's one thing. The other thing we can't confuse with our purpose are seasons. Here's what I mean by seasons. Your purpose will never change, but seasons will. You're going to go through seasons of your life where things change. We got a common illustration that many can relate to is parenting. You go through seasons of parenting. Baby, baby first comes out, you're in the season of infancy. Those first couple months, that's quite a season, right? Two, three hours sleep, getting up in the night, all they're doing is crying, eating, and pooping. That's pretty much all they're doing during that phase. A little sleeping once in a while, something like that. But, you know, that's, that's a season, but then they change, and they grow out of that, and they, all of a sudden they go from you can put them in the pumpkin seat, and you know where they are. Now they're in toddler stage, and they're moving around, and you're not sure whether you're blessed or not that you moved out of that previous season. 
You thought, I can't wait till they get out of this baby stage. Whoa, wait a minute, come back here. I'm not sure this is better. But this is just a season, and it passes from then, and then they go into preteen, and then teenagers. Once they get into teenagers, your prayer life goes to a whole new level. I see a lot of heads nodding right now. A lot of heads nodding. It's all seasons. And then we got one that's left the house and, and gone off to college. And it, it keeps changing. Then your kids become adults and then they have their own kids. It's all seasons, but your purpose of parenting never changes. I don't care if they're one year old or whether they're 80 years old. If you're still alive, they're still your kid. Right? They're still your baby. You still go see him. You're like, oh, it's my baby. Come here. Come here. So your purpose never changes, but seasons do. This is why you don't get caught up in getting frustrated if God says, I want to change your season right now. I'm going to relocate you. I'm going to give you a different assignment. I'm going to give you a different ta task. I'm going to change this, but your purpose doesn't change in what God's wanting you to do. So just don't confuse your seasons with your purpose. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Talk about the importance of why am I here. Today we're going to look at specifically what is your place and what is your function? I believe this is very important for us to understand the, the place and function that God has us in our, our assignments for our gifting. I'm going to look in verse 3. It says, for I say, Paul writing here says, for I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Look what he says in the first part of verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone. Really what he's saying is, if you could break that down grammatically, not to bore you with English, but I just, it really says, for I say to everyone who's among you. But the parentheses there or the prepositional phrase would be through the grace given to me. And here's why I think that's important when I was reading that. Paul said, for I say to everyone through the grace given to me. In other words, each one of us has a grace that's given to us. And you know, it's like uh, you play an instrument, you can play a trumpet, or you can play a trombone, you can play a flute, you can play a saxophone. The source of all those instruments, instruments is the same. It's you blowing, right? But the sound that comes out of all those instruments is different. When you say through the grace given to you, it means that sometimes... Something that's said through your voice is going to sound different when it's said through someone else's voice. Paul's speaking through the grace given to me, but sometimes we need to hear through a different sound of grace. You know how sometimes you need to hear that, that uh, rough speech of, come on, get your head up, you can do it. Get up out of it. Come on, you can do it. And sometimes you need to hear, it's going to be okay. You can do it. I'm sorry. Through the grace that's given to you, that's why you got That's why you got to realize that God needs your voice every day because there's a grace given to you to speak to people that's different from mine. And just because, just like there's a bunch of different uh, ways to speak, there's a bunch of different ways to hear. And some people are not going to hear through my grace. Come on, you know you got kids that you've told them something over and over, and somebody else comes up and tells them something, and they come and say, Mom, Dad, so-and-so told me this 
today, and that's incredible. It's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And you, in the back of your mind, you know, I've told you that 52 times. But they heard it through a different grace. You know, you try, you're trying to, trying to motivate them, trying to encourage them, and blah, blah, blah. But somebody else said, whoa, hey, that's why your grace is needed. That's why you got to speak through your grace. That's what Paul was saying. I say through the grace that's given to me, look what he says, not for everyone here, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. That word high, more highly just means don't think you're superior to people. It doesn't mean you don't think you're special. We've already covered that. You are special. It just means you don't think you're better than everybody else. Just don't you look down your nose at everybody and say, well, you're not near as good as me. Don't think you're more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. Why? Because God has dealt to each one. Everybody say each one. Each one, a measure of faith. Now, a lot of things we could break down here. The word measure just means a volume, means a quantity. So every single one here that's listening to me or online listening to me or on CD listening to me, you have received a measure, a volume, a quantity of faith. If you would say, I just don't have faith to believe what God's giving me. God's given you the faith to accomplish everything that he's asked you to do. The measure is in there, but you've got to develop it. You just got to use it. The volume needed is there. God's given it to us so we can never say, God, you didn't give me enough. We can only say, I didn't use what he gave me. Each one has received a measure of faith. Now, notice, look what he says, the word dealt. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The word dealt means to disunite, like to break off of a hole, like W-H-O-L-E. To break off of a hole. So God took a hole, something that was solid, and he started breaking off parts and handing them to each one. It would be like me to take this uh, puzzle was one solid picture, and they cut it out into a bunch of little pieces. It's only 550 pieces, so I've got enough. I could go through and maybe hand one to each person. Each one of you gets a piece. This is what that word to dealt means. It means that God took of a whole and he handed it out to each person. What was the whole that he took out of? It was himself. God took a part of himself and put it in each and every person. We were all made in the likeness and the image of God, right? Genesis chapter 1. So God took a part, and if he took a part of the whole and gave it to each one, guess what's going to need to happen for us to see the full picture of God? Each one is going to have to bring their piece of the puzzle to the table. Every one of you is going to have to bring what you have to offer. We need your peace. We need what God's given you. Because look what it says in the next verse. For as we have many members in one body... But all the members don't have the same function. We have many members, many parts. That word members just means a limb or a part of a whole part of a unit. But all the members don't have the same function. Look at your body. you got your physical body. you got all kinds of different parts to your body, and they don't do all the same function. They, all, they do all kinds of different things. And look what it says in the next part. Uh, but they don't have the same function. Now, this word function is very important. It's a Greek word, praxis, which means to practice, or it means, uh, find a word here, yeah, task, uh, to, a task or 
sustain activity or responsibility. So they don't all have the same function, but they all have a function. Your body parts don't all have the same function, but they all have a function. Just the same way in people, the body of Christ, not all of us have the same function, but we do have a function. So let me ask you this, how important is it that we know our function? How important is it for us to know what God dealt to us? Does it matter what piece of the puzzle God gave you? You could look at your piece and go, well, that doesn't look significant. That doesn't look important. It may not on its own, but you bring it all together. It makes a beautiful picture. But here's why it's so important. This is why this whole deal on the purpose why we started this series on who am I and why am I here and why I believe it's one of the most important questions that we need to answer as human beings. Why am I on the earth? Here's why. Here's why. Why do I need to know my function? Greek word praxis. Here's what it says. Let me give you this verse in Matthew chapter 16 verse 27. For the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works. Guess what the word works is? The same Greek word praxis. So now, let's put the two together. When the when Son of Man comes in the glory of his Father with his angels, he'll reward each according to his praxis, each according to his assignment. Put it together now with verse 4. We don't all have this, we're not, we all, try it again. But all the members do not have the same function, the same practice. So how important is it for me to know why I'm here, what my function is? One of the reasons, and there's a, there's a lot of reasons to it, but one of the reasons is that Jesus is going to reward me based on my function that he gave me. Does it matter what I do with my life? Only if I'm concerned about how God's going to reward my whole existence on the earth. Other than that, it doesn't matter. How am I going to spend my 90, 100, whatever years it's going to be on the earth? My whole purpose for being here, if I don't know that, then when the Son of Man comes to bring up my rewards, then I'll say, well, it's better for me to say, God, I'm here to do whatever you created me to do, or I can say, God, here's what I did with my life. I hope you liked it. I hope you thought, here's what I was thinking. I just had this wild idea. I would do this. I felt like it was the most successful opportunity for me as an individual. I know I really didn't pray about it, but man, the benefits were incredible. I know I really didn't ask you about it, but the hours kind of worked for me and what I wanted to do with my life. I know, I'm not trying to make it heavy, but I'm trying to make it real because Jesus is going to return. And we don't say that as some kind of threat. It's just a reality. And so one of my heart's desires for my children, for for people that that I minister to, is for them to know why they're on the earth because they will stand before the Lord just like I will and he will say, what did you do with the peace I gave you? I'll say, oh, was that important? I didn't think that was any big deal. So I kind of really didn't do anything with that. Is that bad? It doesn't mean you'll get saved. Let me be very clear. My salvation is not based on my works. My reward is based on my works. 
I may still get into heaven, and somebody may say, that's good enough for me, and it may be. But I believe in that day, you'll feel like, wow, I wasted a lot of my life. And I just don't want people to do that. I don't want to do that. So it's what I'm, I'm seeing. It's why it's important for us to find our function. We're, not all the members have the same function. Look, verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're many, but we're one body. I believe there's two bodies that everyone should be a part of that's a follower of Jesus. Number one, you should be a part of the big body of Christ. There's one global big body, the big C, we call it, the big church, the big body of Christ. Then I believe every believer should be a part of a local body of church, body of Christ. There's the big body and there's the local body. And I believe, I'm just convinced on it, that every follower of Jesus should be involved in both bodies. I believe you should be involved in the local body serving somewhere. Notice what it says. We're not all, uh, we are many, but we're one body of Christ and individually members of one another. Every part of the body of Christ is important. Every part of your physical body is important. But that part that's important, let's say my hand. My hand's kind of important. I kind of do a lot of things with my hand. It's really important. I talk with my hands, so I kind of have a, I couldn't open my mouth if I didn't have my hands. But no, you, you use your hand for a lot of things, right? So my body's important, my hand is important, but if you was to cut off my hand and throw it on the ground, how important would that hand be? It would not be important because it's not attached to the body. I can have a gift I can have a talent that's been given to me by God, but if I don't attach that to the rest of a body, I will not see the full benefit of what God's given me. I'm not going to walk in the fulfillment of what God's given me for myself, and other people aren't going to benefit. There's a body walking around with no hand. Why? Because I took myself out of the picture and said, I'm on my own. God says, whoa, there's a body that's missing a hand, and you're the hand. There's a body that's missing a pinky. There's a body that's missing an ear, and you're the ear. This is why we got to understand the gifts and talents that God's given us, and then we got to attach ourselves in a local body and say, a body is not as good without all the parts, and the parts are not good without the body. we got to put them together. We are never going to accomplish the dreams that God has for where we live without one another. We're never going to accomplish the heart of God to touch people's lives if we separate ourselves from the body and we say, my gift is not that important. They're all important. We're not, we don't all have the same function, but we all got value. We've all got a purpose. Look what he says. Verse 6, having then gifts, having then gifts, having then gifts differing. So with two things. Number one, we all have gifts. Number two, they're all different. We've all got gifts and they're all different. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use, okay, maybe you're not following along. Let me try it again. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use right, I got about 20%. Let's try it one more time. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Use them. What are we supposed to do with our gifts? Put them on the shelf and look at them and say, boy, you're pretty. No, we got to use them. We got to use them. And what are we supposed to use them to do? Minister to others. 
God's given you a talent to help people. He's given you a skill set. He's given you ability. I don't know what it is specifically to you, but I know it's there because he says, having then gifts, each one has received a gift. He didn't leave you out. You've got one, but we've got to use it. Look what he says. You use it. If it's prophecy, let him prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, serving. There we go. We're ministering. We're serving again. Let us use it. Don't read the word ministry and see preacher. That's not what he's talking about. In serving, let us use it in our serving. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality. In other words, be generous with your gift, with whatever God has put in your heart to give. Don't be grudging, but give it generously. And I'm not just talking about financial. I'm talking about whatever God has given you. Remember, we are to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God that he's given to us. So now, here's what I started praying this week after my message last week. I don't know if you were here or you got anything out of it, but I, I heard it and I thought it would touch my life. So, so I started applying my message. And here's why I started praying every day. When I wake up, I said, Lord, your gift is available. Whatever you want to do today, you let me know and I'll write the check. I'll write the check. Whatever you want to use me. I'm going into Walmart. I was going into Walmart in Edwardsville yesterday, and I just said to myself, Lord, my gift is available if you need me. My gift is available. It doesn't mean when you say that, he's not sending you to Africa. <laughs> when you say that, doesn't mean you're going to have to get on the intercom at the store. Everybody's attention, please. I'd like to preach right now from the Gospel of John, chapter 5. <laughs> no, not necessarily. It may not be that at all. But it's just making yourself available. And I don't know what your gift is, but just say, God, I'm here to be used if you need me. Got to use them. Whoever exhorts, I'm going to do it diligently. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it generously. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we know now that we all have gifts. We're members of a whole unit. But that unit is important, imperative for each individual part. Now go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read through some of this. And I want you to get the comparison with what God has given you, the gift, and what you're doing in the body of Christ. What am I doing in the body? I believe every believer, everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus, should be serving in some capacity in the body of Christ. In your local body, and the global body, I think you need to be serving. Why? Because you have something to offer. You have a gift. We're less than if you're not serving. You're like, well, they don't need me. Here's how you know. Are you ready? Here's how you know if you're needed. It's very, be careful. It's very complicated. Here's how you know if you're needed. If you're not doing anything, you're needed. That's it. That's how complicated it is. How do I know they need me? Am I doing anything? No, you're needed. You're needed. Well, don't they have plenty? No. If you're not doing anything, we don't have plenty. Why? Because each one has a gift. So your gift is not in operation. Just because someone else is doing something similar to you, they're not you. We need to hear through the grace that's given to you. We gotta have it. We gotta have you operating. You have something to offer that's unique See, there's some, th some things that the body of Christ or this local body is not doing because some people are not using their gift. Yeah. 
Some of the things we could do, if you jump in and use your gift, more people could be reached. It's not about the church, just a select group of people coming up with ideas and then recruiting people to work. Some of the hidden ideas of God are down on the inside of your heart and God's saying, I want you to present that. You've got something to offer. You've got some, there's a ministry on the inside of you. There's an outreach on the inside of you. There's a, there's a financial blessing. There's some of you that God's speaking to your heart. Say, I'd like to be a part of some capital projects, some bigger capital projects. God's put that in your heart. Then all you need to do is say, hey, Chad, what's, what's on the heart of God to do growing forward? I want to partner with that. I don't know what it is on the inside of you, but God says, I want you to use it. Look what it says here in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many, but many, 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 many. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how weird would that be? That's not what it says in the Bible. I just added that. Some of you are like, what? Can you imagine? An eye is awesome. An eye, the eyeball is one of the most amazing things in the human body. It's incredible. It's a miracle how light can shine in there and and cause all that stuff. But if your whole body was an eye, Just imagine my body is just one big eye. How weird would that be? We'd see really good, but we couldn't move. We couldn't even look behind us because you got to have a neck. Just one big eye. Peripheral vision's all you got. How effective would that body be? Not very, somebody get mad. I've just got a lot of thoughts running through my head right now. I'm just trying to filter, filter, filter. So we, we can't just be one part. We can't just have a big old ear or a big old mouth. More thoughts running through the head. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hey. We need all parts of the body. But here's something that's very important. Some parts of the body that you don't see are the most important. Some parts of your body that's hidden is the only reason you're standing. You may say this, there's some parts to this body that makes this body work that you don't see and without them, we don't even stand. The success, of the success of the church is not based on just my preaching. We talked about, we watched a video this week, and we, we talked about doing a, uh, what they call a no-show Sunday. A no-show Sunday would be where we just pretended that all of our dream team canceled and said, I'm not going to be there today. Just said, I'm not coming. What would services look like with no dream team, with no people serving in the local body. We wouldn't have any music. They're all volunteers. We wouldn't have any donuts because the volunteer picks those up every week. Some of you quit the church right there just because of that. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> I'm out! <laughs> I 
Wouldn't have any coffee. <laughs> yeah. No coffee. We would all have our children with us in the room, changing their diapers because we have volunteers that say, I'll sacrifice a service to look after your children. We wouldn't have any hosts at the door greeting you, wouldn't have anybody, any ushers, wouldn't have anybody in the parking lot waving, wouldn't have, wouldn't have any sound because the sound person runs the sound. Wouldn't be videos for you to watch on Facebook. Wouldn't be anything on YouTube for you to share with someone. Because volunteers say, I'll serve of my gifting. And I just want to speak to us as a family that when you're not in your place, we're missing something. See, we we put this puzzle together at at our house. It's been a while back ago. And it's only 550 pieces. It's not a major one. But it was bad enough. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Took us like five days. You just gotta walk away sometimes. And you know, you think, well, I'm gonna come back and then I'll see just the perfect piece. Well, you know, you find one of these pieces, it's just a plain white piece. You know, when you start to put a a puzzle together, what kind of pieces do you look for? The first kind of pieces you look for, yeah, yeah, corner pieces, straight edges. You pull those out, bam, they're valuable. You pull out this plain, funny-shaped white piece, you throw that off to the side. I'll deal with you later. When I got more patience. So some of these pieces seem insignificant. You get this bad boy here, got a straight, ah, I can use you. Okay, we'll start over there. But you, you seem insignificant. It's the same thing. Okay, right here, oh, there's a corner piece. Woo-hoo, gold mine. But here's the problem. Sometimes in our, in the body of Christ, we've got pieces that in the immediate may seem insignificant. But see, when we put this together, <laughs> you know, you get, you get up in this part with that white part of that pan. It was brutal. All these pieces look the same. You don't know where they go. You're trying to find which one fits. You're trying to plug different ones in there. Nah, nah, you're moving it all around. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. You go try pick up another one. Same way sometimes with people in church, the first time they try to get plugged in and get involved and get in a slot, it doesn't fit right away. But sometimes you just got to turn them just a little bit and they'll snap right in. You know that feeling when you find that tough piece You've been looking for a home for it and you get it and it goes in there like, bam, yeah. Great feeling of accomplishment. Here's what I believe God's wanting to speak to hearts this morning. Some of you have looked at your gift as insignificant and God says there's a hole where you're not using your gift. See, when we got towards the end, you know, we did all the easy stuff first. You you work your way in from the outside in. You're getting that white part there. We're trying to fit those pieces in. That's one thing you got to walk away for a little bit. But we got to the end and we had pieces on the table and there were more empty places than there were pieces. No good. So we had openings with not enough stuff to fill them. 
The same's in the body of Christ. We've got more openings than people that's filling them. Why? Because they don't think they're significant. And this piece doesn't look significant in the beginning, but I promise you, at the end, when there were only two spaces left, and this one had fallen under the table, and we didn't know where it was, all of our attention went to this piece. This became the most precious piece in the puzzle. Why? Because there was an opening that only this piece would fill. I could have tried to put any other piece. Ah, there's an opening that's unique to this one. You are precious. When we found it under the table and put it in there and it was done, it was like rejoicing in the house. The same thing is rejoicing in all of heaven when every piece finds its place and you get plugged in and serving where God wants you to serve using your gifts and talents. I'm telling you, there's a hole that has your name on it, that only your peace, only your shape, only your gifting will fill that place. And God's saying, I want you to use your gifts and talents to help serve other people.